0: My name is Shauna, and this is the American English Podcast. My goal here is to teach you the English spoken in the United States. Through common expressions, pronunciation tips, and interesting cultural snippets or stories, I hope to keep this fun, useful, and interesting. Let's do it. Hi, everyone. As a guest on today's episode, we have my dad here who will be sharing his experience of what it is like to live and work in Alaska. I had a lot of fun hearing his answers. Some of them were even new to me. So I hope you learn a lot from this and have as much fun listening to it as we did making it. Before we begin, I'd like to give a brief background of the state. Alaska was the 49th state admitted to the United States on January 3rd, 1959. The state borders British Columbia and the Yukon in Canada and sits right next to the Bering Strait, which divides it from Russia. In fact, Alaska was purchased from Russia for $7.2 million in 1867, which was a great deal, especially because gold was discovered there in the 1890s and oil in the late 1960s. I talked in detail about the Exxon Valdez oil spill there in episode number 24, if you'd like to check that out. One thing that you may not know about Alaska is how massive it is. Just this one state is bigger than the 22 smallest states in the U.S. together, and it's larger than the three largest U.S. states, so California, Montana, and Texas, combined. That is, if you count its territorial waters. What blows my mind, though, is that 179 recognized UN countries are smaller than Alaska. Peru could fit inside of it. Mongolia could fit inside of it. Separately, of course. Germany, France, the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, and Belgium could fit inside Alaska together. Right? So kind of random Comparison there, but you get the point. Despite its size, though, its population is very small. There are just 738,000 people living there. Around 15% or 14.8% to be exact of the population are native to Alaska. And among the natives, 20 different languages are spoken, according to the University of Alaska. Speaking about these groups is very, very interesting, and I definitely will dedicate an entire podcast to that in the future. But for now, without further ado, let's talk to my dad. So I have my dad here sitting right next to me, and we're going to talk about Alaska and his experience there. When did you move to Alaska?
1: I moved there in 1977.
0: Okay. And, uh, so how old were you? I was 14, 14.
1: Yeah. That's not right. Mar. 14. Yeah.
0: 14 you were when you're a sophomore in high school. Okay. No. I was 16. <laughs> so, yeah. Sophomore, you're 16.
1: I, I think they put me ahead a couple grades. grades.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long did you stay in Alaska for?
1: I graduated from high school there. I went up there my sophomore year and graduated high school up there. So I was up there for three years.
0: Three years, okay. Yes. What did you do? Did you just go to school, or were you? Well,
1: the re- reason we went up there is my dad worked for the the oil companies, and they offered him a job to go work on the Trans-Alaskan Pipeline when it mm-hmm. first started to open up, and he offered it to us, our family, and says, "Hey, we got an opportunity here," and, mm-hmm. and we all decided, "Let's go for it. It'd be a nice adventure." So. He moved the whole family up there. And, all uh,
0: six all six children? Actually, and
1: I had my oldest brother and sister were married already, so they oh, stayed okay. back here in California, and the rest of mm-hmm. us went up to Alaska.
0: Okay. And so what was it like actually going to school in Alaska? I mean, is it similar to going, I don't know, going to Fairfield High, where you were going before you left? Or no. were there some differences? Well,
1: the only difference really was that it's not an outdoor campus. Everything was indoors. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much a two story building that en- encompassed all the way from seventh grade to seniors in high school.
0: Mm-hmm. And so middle school and high school, middle school together. all together. Mm-hmm. And,
1: but it was a brand new school because at the time there was a whole bunch of people moving up there because of the, the pipeline work that was going on. So the school was new and a lot of new fresh faces to see. And
0: very so interesting. Yeah, it
1: was very neat.
0: Yeah, I noticed online, actually, that I was looking up the population of Alaska throughout the years. Now they have about 738,000, but back then, back in 1977, apparently they had around 400,000 people, 403,000 to be exact. There weren't very many people up there.
1: No, there wasn't. And when you watch TV up there back then, everything was pretty much the lower 48 as far as shows and stuff you watched. Nice. But I've noticed now that I've left, Alaska's been on a lot of the wilderness shows and, and a lot more exposure, mm-hmm. as northern exposure, okay. um, one of the shows. But I think it probably got a lot of people interested, and in a lot of people started moving up there just for other reasons than just work, but just the okay. outdoors alone.
0: And so what city did you live in?
1: I lived in Anchorage.
0: That's actually the most populated city there, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Back then, it was probably... 80 to 90% of the whole population lived in Anchorage.
0: Okay, and that's the in the south, right? Where the climate's a little bit warmer?
1: Yeah, south of the mainland. The city of Anchorage had five high schools in it. Mm-hmm. So being a, a football player, we only had to go out of our city twice a year to play other teams. So living in Anchorage, it was pretty neat and pretty populated and, and a lot of, lot of activities to do there as far as just on the outskirts there was mm-hmm. snow skiing, there's ice skating, there's semi professional hockey teams.
0: So was there snow there year round? Sorry to oh, interrupt.
1: No, no not year round. Because in the summertime it's sunny all the time. Down in the lower portions like an Anchorage. It it gets a slight bit dark at night. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know, maybe not enough to probably read a book or something mm-hmm. like that, but it's not dark out wow. by any means and you can go out all night long. And you so is
0: that what you did when you were there? And I mean, uh, in high you school, I like just catch stay me out. at the
1: park one of the nicest parks in the world at two o'clock in the morning, just wow. hanging out with my friends, goofing off. Sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: But in the sunlight in summertime. Right? Oh, yeah. What about in wintertime? Was it just dark 24 seven?
1: Well, up in the northern parts on the tip top of Alaska. Yes, it is. It gets dark for six months a year, but like down in Anchorage. I would go to school at, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning and it would be dark. I would get off of school and it would be dark again. So the only bit of light was when I was in school and I missed it.
0: Oh, that's a bummer. (laughs) So I should have planned that better. Had school in the middle of the night for (laughs) these kids. Yeah. Uh, And so did you do any outdoor sports in the snow when you lived there? Did you go sledding, dog what is it? Dog sledding,
1: <laughs> or actually, I would watch the beginning of the the great Iditarod dog sled race, uh-huh. um, which started on Fourth Street in Anchorage. And other than that, I used to snow ski. I used to ice skate with the uh, boys' club. But other than that, it was just summertime sports, fishing, and I wasn't a hunter, but I loved yeah. to fish, and that was uh, the best fishing in the world. Is in alaska
0: yeah what kinds of fish can you fish what kinds of fish can you fish there (laughs) what
1: kind of fish did we fish we fished for a lot of salmon all types of salmon Mm -hmm. um dolly varden which is a type of trout Mm -hmm. um all all the same ocean fish that you would normally catch down here in california the halibut Mm -hmm. and all that stuff but
0: yeah i feel like the salmon is what we normally see on packages here when they say fish is from alaska you automatically think "Ooh, it's good salmon Right. Absolutely. I think dinner tonight was salmon from Alaska. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I don't doubt it. Everything comes from there, all the crab and lobster. And
0: yeah. Mm -hmm. So, did you actually fish from holes drilled in the ground?
1: Oh, in the ice? Yeah. Ice fishing did it once, didn't have any luck, but, uh, it was quite the experience because I was with family and we had a, Heck of a great time riding our car out on the ice.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what exactly did you do? Did you, um, hammer into the ground or how did you make holes?
1: Well, normally they got these big giant drill bits that you drill a hole on there, just mm-hmm. like you would drill a hole for a fence post. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've seen even take chainsaws to, to the ice and they'll cut a little square out. But there's even other ways of building a little fire on the ice and have the cold burn its way through. Mm-hmm. But, we got lucky. We didn't have no means of getting through the ice and when we did it. And we just came across a couple of holes that were abandoned, broke open the thin ice on top and uh fished right there, right next yeah. to the car.
0: From the car. From the window? From the car,
1: in the car, with the heat on. Eating,
0: ice fishing from eating a car. bologna
1: sandwiches, love and life, yes. That's funny. <laughs>
0: That's so funny. And what about Denali? When I look up Alaska, a lot of times pictures of Denali come up, right? It's the same as Mount McKinley. Is that the same? Yeah, it
1: was used to be named Mount McKinley, and they changed it to Denali. Do
0: you or, know why? What's I think it was
1: for the sake of the natives of okay. Alaska right. to honor their heritage.
0: You've been there, right? Yes. Okay. What did you do there? Is that where pe- most people go skiing?
1: Um, No, not really skiing. It's mm-hmm. all about you're out there. North of Anchorage, south of Fairbanks, and it's just beautiful farms, beautiful wilderness, tons of wildlife, um, mm. beautiful lakes to go fishing wow. on. And it's just a grown-up person's or anybody's chance to get away from civilization and go out there with wilderness.
0: And that's actually where you'll probably run into grizzly bears then, right? I remember actually in in episode number 10, if anyone has checked that out, I talked a little bit about bears and uh, how there aren't many grizzly bears actually in the 48 lower states, but the majority of them live in Alaska, actually. But have you ever seen a grizzly bear?
1: Well, I've seen it from a distance, but no, I Mainly just when you fly into the airport for the first time, you mm-hmm. see a couple, they have stuff that are in the airport, which oh, okay. are like huge. I've seen polar mm-hmm. bears at the zoo in Alaska. Other than that, no, but that's probably a good thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. It's like, oh, that's something about polar bears, too, is you never see a polar bear come and get you. A polar bear is not like a brown bear or a grizzly bear that'll sneak up on you. Half the time, you'll stumble upon them.
0: Because you can't see them because they're white. They mess well, with the with snow. Well, with a standard brown
1: bear, grizzly, yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're just minding their own business and right. stuff like that. They're not coming after you. But mm-hmm. a polar bear is a predator. It mm-hmm. will come and get you. It's hunting for food. The only thing you ever see on a polar bear is when you're up there in the snow country, you see three black dots. And that's his two eyes and his nose. That's the last thing you ever see.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. What but
1: just nice. as exciting was seeing the moose.
0: You saw a moose.
1: Oh, yeah. We saw moose all the time. We've even had them in our front yard and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, to, to see a full-grown moose with his wow. horns and everything in your front yard. Antlers. Yeah, yeah. or walking down the street yeah. or just alongside your vehicle as you're driving down the road.
0: It's that common. It's that it's,
1: it's, uh, common. It's incredible.
0: So do people eat moose or are they? Oh, sure. Okay.
1: Hunters hunt it. And there's moose burgers. There's caribou burgers. There's bear burgers. There's all sorts of. Yeah, there's really? everything.
0: Yeah, I would think that they're, they'd be protected. But oh,
1: no. Well, they, they allow.
0: Yeah. They okay. allow.
1: You have to get a special yeah. permission.
0: Actually, one of the things I think would be very interesting for some of the listeners is to hear what you did after you graduated from high school, uh, your job that you had. What my did job. You, what did you do?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> my job title was I was a seismographic geophone placement engineer. That's a mouthful. Which which, which is, frankly, a juggy. (laughs) What's that? I stomp jugs in the ground behind a big truck up on the tip top of Alaska, just in the Brooks Range out of Prudhoe Bay, and we looked for oil. And did it for a six-month span, living mm -hmm. in a cat train, out there with a bunch of guys, eating the world's best food and enjoying the best wilderness in the world. Making minimum wage, but we worked probably a hundred hours a week.
0: But what exactly were you doing? You were looking for oil, you said, but how how do you find oil? You what was the process? It sounds very strange. These
1: little cones on the ground, they're geophones. There's a cable that goes from geophone to geophone. Mm. These cables they'll stretch them out for miles. Mm. They'll hook up that cable to truck it's called a vibrator truck
0: okay
1: now they'll have another guy come in and he'll drill a hole they'll have the dynamite guy come in and he'll set off explosions these explosions set off shock waves down through the earth's surface and into hopefully an oil reservoir Mm -hmm. so when these vibrations come back like sonar into our geophones that we placed on the surface It'll go to this truck that will record all the seismographic activity and in turn give you a reading of what might be underneath that ground where you set your geophones.
0: That's interesting. So you did that every day from
1: for six morning
0: months. till night for six months, right? Because six it was six <laughs> months,
1: probably 14 hours a day. <laughs>
0: yes, that's insane. And so you said you were living in a cat train. I don't know what a cat train is. What is that?
1: A cat train is pretty much like you see a a tractor that has these big tracks that go around it, like you would imagine a tank. Okay. And these tanks would go across the ice very easily. It's called a nod well, what it is and you could comfortably set four people in it, and on the back of it was like a flatbed truck with racks that had all of our geophones placed on it.
0: Okay, so you weren't so, living in that, right? No, s- no, no. I, no. Mis- I misunderstood. So there, was, there was
1: probably, <laughs> in this one camp, we had probably eight of those mm-hmm. wells. There was two giant tractors called D8s and D9s that cleared the trail for our, our trailers that came through, mm-hmm. and both of them, when we would go from place to place, would mm-hmm. pull possibly maybe 10 trailers that are also on these tracks mm-hmm. and they would just go for long distances and they would stop. We've had to provide all of our generation for power and everything as far mm-hmm. as being out in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and surviving.
0: But you lived actually in a cabin or where did you live was while a you trailer. were there?
1: It's a trailer you on these living, tracks. You were in it's, there. And that that trailer slept like five guys. So okay. We had bunk beds and stuff and each trailer would have about five guys so where's, sleeping in
0: it where's the food that you were talking about before we were mentioned you mentioned before that you had a giant giant chest full of candy bars <laughs> that they were feeding to you so that you wouldn't lose too much weight because yeah. it's too cold you need more calories so a, normal, that? a
1: normal day would be you'd walk into the chef's trailer um it oh, was you, called okay. cookies trailer and you'd go in there and You'd say, okay, what do you want for breakfast? And you'd had to be quick because there's a big line of guys behind you. You'd say, okay, two eggs, over easy hash browns, bacon. So within seconds, this guy would have, he'd be cooking it fresh. Just as Mm -hmm. you're standing right in front of him, bam, it was on your plate. If he screwed anything up, got a bit of shell in your thing, bam, in the trash. You're going to do it again. Here you go. Mm -hmm. Here's your food. So then you would eat your breakfast. They'd have a lunch table set in there with all types of bread, all types of lunch meats, peanut mm-hmm. butter and jelly, tuna fish, whatever you wanted, sitting there. So you'd go over there, you'd make yourself a few sandwiches, you'd throw them in a paper sack, mm-hmm. you'd grab chips, whatever you want, you'd mm-hmm. go over to the big giant toy box, open that up where they had all the candy bars, you'd take five or six of those, throw them in your lunch bag, and off to work you went.
0: And that's how you maintain calories, yeah. like because so you then, needed to have, how many calories did you need to eat per day in oh, that you weather? you
1: probably need at least probably 4,000 in that cold weather.
0: Because you burn so much, just, yeah. I mean, even oh, yeah. the physical labor, yeah. probably.
1: You know, you're, you work for the oil companies, so they're feeding you the best food in the world. It's sort mm-hmm. of like working in the military and you're working in the Navy and they have mm-hmm. the best food. Well, the oil right. companies have the best food. So I can
0: imagine with all the money they have to so support that. So that was that
1: part. After you got your work done and mm-hmm. you came back to camp, And it was like, okay, what are we having for dinner? Oh, it's steak and seafood night, or it's pasta night, and everything was gourmet every night. Granted, you're sitting at a little diner-sized little car with a standard table with napkins, no white linen, nothing. You're eating with a bunch of guys that got beards and dirty faces and dirty hands (laughs) because you showered probably once a month. (laughs) (laughs) But for the most part... You know, you ate like a king yeah, and everything was good for that.
0: That was crazy. I'm surprised you were able to last that long being in such cold weather. I mean, growing up in California, you you get good weather pretty much year round. I mean, fairly good. You just got accustomed to it, acclimated, or do you ever get acclimated to cold weather like that? I mean, how low does the temperature get?
1: I mean, it it gets 60, 70, 80 below. You know, Mm -hmm. there's chill factors involved like that, but... Most of the time, you're sitting around, you know, zero degrees in the middle of winter, 10, mm-hmm. minus 10, minus mm-hmm. 15. Mm-hmm. and But you've got heaters in the trucks. You've got heaters in your trailer. you got mm-hmm. heaters in the cookie shed. Right. you got heaters in the bathroom shed.
0: Okay. Um, so it's just a matter of protecting when, yourself when, when you you're go outside. When you're ready outside. to get
1: out of the vehicle, you're geared up and you're ready to go.
0: So what did you have to wear?
1: Oh, you had everything on. You had special snow boots. They called them bunny boots. Um You had thermals, you had snow pants, you had layers and layers of sweatshirts, thermals, and jackets, and coat. Then you had a nice pair of sunglasses to protect your eyes if it was sunny. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And a hat that you'd you'd have to have, something to cover your ears. and Right.
0: Could you tell that people were freezing?
1: It was so cold, you had to keep an eye on everybody to make sure they were safe. Their ears would be the first place to freeze, or the tip of their nose if the tips of their ears or nose were red that's good they've got blood going through their ears everything's fine but as soon as they start to turn white and a gray color very very bad cells are dying there's no blood flow and they get frozen solid and these parts will just fall off they'll it's break they'll frostbite. snap if it's just frostbitten it'll turn black and it'll it'll die so, if you're in parts of Alaska, like say you're downtown Anchorage or not, you see some native, some poor guy that maybe didn't have a place to stay for a night. You'll see people with parts missing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what parts missing? Oh,
1: missing top part of their ears are gone. Half of their nose is just gone.
0: Have you ever gotten frostbite before, or have you ever been frostbitten?
1: Well, I got frostbitten on my toe once. Um, sitting on the back of the truck for too long in the cold, cold weather up north, and one mm. toe got. Frostbite, and I lost my yes. toenail and um, turned all black and blue. But once yeah. you frostbite something, it's always the first place to get cold on you okay. for the rest of your life because you've killed cells.
0: Ew. One of the things I found really interesting that you mentioned earlier was that people are given money if you live in Alaska. What is that?
1: The royalties of their oil that is coming down the pipeline, and it's and all that gas that is made from all that oil that comes yeah. down to the lower forty-eight. They make money off of that. So what they end up doing is they end up paying back to the people royalties off the oil for pillaging their land, taking their oil and making money off of it. It wasn't as though this oil just came from northern Alaska all the way down to southern Alaska by itself. There's a pipeline that just came right mm-hmm. across this beautiful wilderness frontier all the way across the thing. And
0: so it's, it's kind of it's, paying them back a little bit, even though they're never back. able to pay back because it's nature, but yeah. it's some sort of recognition that they oh, yeah. did this thing to the exactly. land. Exactly. They're yeah. very
1: thankful for, for the oil, and, and in turn, they're they're mm-hmm. sharing in their... Right. So
0: their that's the profits. federal government that pays?
1: Yes, it is. Yeah. it is. The state of Alaska has worked out these things with these royalties with yeah. the
0: government. One time that you used to like ski out, like ski away from school, like you were
1: so close you could just ski, go skiing from school or something? Well, you wouldn't ski to school, but in between You're our skiing. house and the school was a field. All the way there. It's probably three miles worth of field. And so me and my brothers, we uh, had all cross country skis and we would ski out of our house, down the street, and over into this field, and we would go mm-hmm. and you know, and you'd you'd hear a little Nick in the woods or hmm. a branch break, and you're going, Oh no, it's an animal. <laughs> we're scared. <laughs> and yeah, so we would hightail it out of there and stuff like that. That's yeah. and what about after school? And I know you used to tell me like after school, you go straight to the ski slopes or
0: something? Maybe you were lying. No, no dad, no, we
1: did. We did. My dad was ex military. We had a place to go snow skiing. It cost me two dollars to rent skis and then two dollars mm-hmm. for a lift ticket. So it cost me four dollars to go right from school. And I, could just
0: yeah. I don't know if you guys heard that, but my mom is in the background and she's asking my dad if he used to go skiing while he was at school, like before school or after school or during school. Actually, one of the things that I thought was really funny um, growing up is that you actually used to tell us that you were almost a professional hockey player when we were kids. <laughs> and it was a lie that I thought was true up until after I graduated from high school. And then I realized now my dad's now on a hockey team. Your (laughs) body was looking at me like I'm crazy. This is actually, this is actually true. He used to come to my hockey, not my hockey, my ice skating lessons, and then go into the free skate and like be skating on the ice, like almost professional. You're very good on the (laughs) ice and be knocking people over left and right. And I thought, oh, for sure. He used to be professional. Never even questioned it, and now you're in ice skating classes. <laughs> <laughs> so caught red-handed.
1: That's okay. Last week I got one goal, and two days after that I got three goals. Almost a hat trick.
0: Almost professional. I'm back.
1: I'm back. <laughs> Actually, NHL, all I, all watch I, out. All I did, and it's very something proud I did, was I was a hockey referee in Alaska for boys club. So I would go out and I would referee young kids' games and – and I got 10 bucks a game going to high school. So that nice. was my money I made. That's cool. Yeah. Very proud of that.
0: I mean, so if you could summarize your stay in Alaska, I mean, do you? how would you summarize it? Like, was it a very positive experience? Well, know? for me,
1: being a teenage kid graduating from high school, it was a chance to see the northern lights, see the best countryside in the world as far as the beautiful pine trees, the mountains, and the rivers, and wildlife, and then going to a new high school. It was just exciting, and meeting a whole bunch mm-hmm. of new friends, and it was, it was fantastic. If anybody ever had a chance to do it in their lifetime, mm-hmm. it would be something they would enjoy for the rest of their life.
0: And would you recommend people going on cruise ships to go to Alaska to check I, it out? Because there are a lot of cruises would, going up oh. there.
1: Uh, push anybody to do anything they would love to do. Mm-hmm. I would say yes, do it, but then also try to get off the boat and go inland and mm-hmm. see what's actually inside the state as far as some of the wildlife. And mm-hmm. you're not going to see all that from a boat. Um, you mm-hmm. need to get inland and, and actually see the people. The people are the nicest people you'll, you'll ever meet
0: mm-hmm. and
1: have an elk burger. Who
0: knows. <laughs> <laughs> If you could describe Alaska in just a few words, what would those words be?
1: The final frontier. Down in the land of the ice and snow and the midnight suns <laughs> and the harsh winds blow.
0: All right. that works. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> so thank you very much for coming on the podcast today.
1: <laughs> oh, you very welcome. My pleasure.
0: All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the American English Podcast. Remember, it's my goal here to not only help you improve your listening comprehension, but to show you how to speak like someone from the States. If you want to receive the full transcript for this episode, or you just want to support this podcast, make sure to sign up to premium content on AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Thanks and hope to see you soon.